0: Please turn in your New Testaments to Romans 1, 21. Romans 1, 21. As we continue in this -this not-going-to-skip-Thanksgiving-this-year series. Romans 1, 21. The very Word of God. For although they knew God... They did not honor him or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and foolish in their hearts, and their hearts were darkened. I will say this morning that there is not a deafening chorus of thanksgiving to God in the world this morning. You can just write not thankful over it. But is there a real, sustained chorus of thanksgiving to God in His church this morning? Not thankful? There's a question mark on the end of that. And why? Is there so much not thankful in the world? Romans 1 shows a horrible decline into rebellion against God as a lifestyle. It's basically, Romans 1 is basically turning from God to self. Uh, It is uh, worshiping not the God who is there, but the God that we want, the God that we make so that we can get what we want. And basically, it is man trying to take charge of his own destiny destiny outside of the input of God. Romans 1 says, I don't need God. Therefore, there's no one to thank. Our text says, and we know it's true... That we know He's there. Romans 1 talks about how the creation itself reveals the beauty and majesty of God. And we intrinsically know that this creation has a Creator. We intrinsically know not only that there's a Creator, but there's right and wrong in the world. That this same Creator is over all and we are under Him and even people who don't believe in God talk about universal right and wrong. Even as they say there's no right and wrong, they, they talk in terms of right and wrong. We know He's there. But the text says that this, this knowledge of God is suppressed. The, the truth of the knowledge of God is suppressed so people can live however they choose as opposed to being underneath this God who is there. Verse 18 of Romans 1 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And in our text, what this amounts to is... A decline into living by our impulses in the moment. Uh, our impulse—it's it, shown this this decline, this uh, rebellion against God. It's shown as immorality. Uh, he begins with sexual immorality, uh, including heterosexual and homosexual. That's verses six and 20, twenty-six and twenty-seven. It is a life characterized—if you look down further—of greed. Of envy, you can see this is living by impulse, living by what I want. Greed, envy, deceit, strife, maliciousness, gossip, and ruthlessness, just to name a few. What we see in Romans 1 is I don't need God and a deepening rebellion against God. And then we see in verse 28 kind of the saddest part, the most crushing part of it. God gave them over. God gave them over to it. Verse 28, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, he gave them up or gave them over to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. And sometimes the the worst thing that can happen is for you and I to go after what we want and get it. C.S. Lewis famously said, "There there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says, all right then, your will be done. That's a scary part of Romans 1. I wish Romans 1 said when we kind of walk away from God in our lives, and I don't mean just those people, I'm talking about us. I wish Romans 1 said when we walk away from God, God only lets us get two steps and he always brings us back. Just two steps is all you get. That's not what Romans 1 says. Romans 1 says we develop an attitude that we don't need God, we don't want to be under God, and we and we go with it. But what is so interesting is the comment in our text, 121, on why this rebellion and destruction That comes from it happens on why it happens and this is where our theme of thanksgiving or giving thanks comes in because it it all it all is going on for these two reasons because they didn't honor god or worship god and they didn't thank god and so we just kind of see this this whole thing that's moving in the world right now moving in our hearts right now and it all kind of comes back to they didn't want god to be over them as god they didn't acknowledge god and and worship him and this is the one we didn't see coming they they didn't have thanksgiving in their hearts Toward God. Romans one twenty-one, for although they knew God, they did not honor God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And so we we kind of learned something about thanksgiving here, and it is that not thankful is not just forgetting to say something nice to God. It's not just forgetting to say something nice to to God. In our passage, not thankful is a sign of functionally not recognizing God as God and worshiping God and therefore giving thanks to this God who is moving in His goodness in our lives. You know, I mean, most of the messages in our world say you don't need god you know you've just you've got the power inside of you, you just hadn't tapped into it you just don't realize how powerful you are you just don't have the right techniques to connect everything and make it happen for you you control your life nobody else you control your life And this is what our text calls futile thinking by foolish hearts. So I just Googled, you are powerful. Because I figured that would give about a million examples of what I'm talking about. And it did. So let me just read to you from, I think it was just the first one. This is from an article called, Did You Know How Powerful You Are? And notice how important ideas about your worth, these are important ideas, about your worth and about your future are all cast in terms of your own power to make your own life. And and look, there is truth in our personal responsibility that we must take in our lives. We must make choices in our lives. The scriptures talk about our responsibility. So there's truth embedded in this, but the lie is about the extent of wisdom and power that we have to make our own lives and for that to turn out good in the end. So let me read to you from this article, Did You Know How Powerful You Are? Quote, Create your own reality this this isn't off to a good start create your own reality and sustain it with your own belief system that supports not negates your dreams and your goals first you have to remember your own power your journey begins with you or it does not begin at all Because if you don't know your own set of truth, you will miss out on the entire essence of your life. What do you choose to be? A winner or a loser? You can only choose one and only you can choose for for you and not anyone else. Now, I'm going to tell you, there are some attractive elements to that, aren't there? There's some truth about us taking responsibility before God and actually under God's influence making choices and walking in, in His way. But it's just fatally flawed. And, and that's what people don't get. It's so attractive and fatally flawed. It's flawed because it all depends on a human being's wisdom and a human being's perception and a human being's power and not ours. That's Romans 1. Don't need God. Is there there anybody else in the cosmos? Because I don't want to be under Him. And I'd like to call the shots. So I can make certain that it all works out the way I want it to work out. Speaking of winners and losers. Folks, we have a winner. We have a winner made in God's image. Reborn. As a child of God, through the grace of Jesus Christ, walking in God's grace and truth, worshiping and following Him, choosing, thanksgiving and love as our mindset in seeking to fulfill God's purposes for our lives, folks, we've got a winner. And that is the opposite. What I just said, what the that winner looks like. I don't like the term winners and losers. It's the opposite. Of Romans 1. In my men's group on Friday mornings, we've been reading the confessions of St. Augustine, and I'm proud of the guys. They have weathered through the confessions. Uh, Yes, it's a bucket list, spiritual bucket list kind of things, and they have have stayed with it. But could I just read to you from the Confessions just a paragraph? And remember, this is the person who said, Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you, O God. St. Augustine, in his Confessions, says this week, actually, It is by no means certain that all wish for the the happiness that is true joy for that means finding joy in you the only hope of a happy life no not all want the happy life this way so they latch on to something that looks like happiness where they can try to be content with it but their human will just Does not have a strong enough desire to make them able to want real happiness that is only in you. And this is the only life that is truly happy and what we were made for. And just as we intrinsically know there's a creator by looking at creation, and look, even if you say I believe in evolution, there's no God, you gotta explain where that big ball of gas came from, but then exploded, called the Big Bang. I mean, could I just be honest and say I'm just kind of tired of being talked down to as a Christian by scientific people? Because isn't it true that none of us were there when whatever started, started? Isn't it true that we both weren't there, can't prove scientifically what happened? So isn't it true we're both about a faith assertion? Yes, that's true in case you're wondering what the answer is. Because nobody on the atheistic evolutionary side of the equation was there and nobody measured it. Oh yes, it was not there. Because matter is not eternal. And it was suddenly there. And we know in our hearts, not only is there a creator... We know that there's right and wrong. We know there's, there's one who is over all. We know there's one who is virtuous and good. A standard, if you will, of what is good. And that's why all of us, atheistic or not, finally talk in terms of good and bad. Right and wrong. And I think we all know, if we just were to, to back up from it for a second... We all know from our own lives and observing the lives of others that, hey, the next new thing that's gonna make our lives, that book, if we just do the six steps, gonna change your life. We all know that that is short lived. We all know that it's gonna be a new book next year. We all know that it's gonna be a, a new purchase. Because the old one doesn't get it anymore. We all know it's going to be a new experience because the old one has happened and it has lost its luster. I mean, don't we know this as human beings? Am I talking nonsense up here? Or is this the way we're experiencing life? I love Romans 1. Even though I kind of hate it. Because it's so sad. But I love it because it's true. I love Christianity, because it actually describes the world the way the world actually is. We are sinners. It's not hard to discover this. And we don't have, as humans, the wisdom, the knowledge, the perspective, or the power to be able to make our own lives in any lasting and truly significant way that just matters. And there's gospel freedom on the other side. There there is freedom from having to try to scratch out your own meaning because God has given you meaning. That same God who created, that same God who is so loved you That He sent His only Son. He's holy. We're not. We couldn't make it to God. We can't make it to God. That's another distinctive of Christianity. Christianity says don't bother. God's done it all. It's complete. It's finished. And you can know Him. You can know His love. You can connect with His purposes. You can learn line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, real truth, you can gain with him in wisdom and in knowledge. You can gain. You can learn how to love. Your life can become different and better in him in ways that actually matter. There's something about that gospel freedom. There's something about that sovereign satisfaction of knowing the one who is over all and being able to trust in him in the midst of of things that seem shifting and he never shifts or changes. That's a good place to be. God wants us to connect with him and have life with him. So the opposite of Romans 1, decline, is embracing God as God and God as Savior. It is worshiping and honoring God as God. It's saying, I'm not God and you are. I'm not in control and you are. And you love me. And you're ruling the world. And it is thanksgiving. Literally giving thanks for all that He is and all that He's done. That's the one we didn't see coming. I think we would have seen coming. They kind of went their own way and they didn't worship God anymore. I don't. I wouldn't have said, if you you put a blank there, what's God going to put in the blank? I wouldn't have guessed Thanksgiving. But there it is. Just how essential responding to the God who is there, not only in worship, but responding to what he has done by giving thanks and saying it was you and not me, and I thank you. Boy, that's a selfless act to give thanks for something you didn't do But you received. So, Thanksgiving reveals a God-centeredness. You could put it this way. Because Thanksgiving reveals a God-centeredness, a worship rather than a man-centeredness, you could say, you ready for this? Thanksgiving lifts us. You want your life lifted? Give thanks. Quit worrying about what you don't have and start thanking God for what you have. That's solid. That's real. It lifts you. And thanksgiving is about perspective. And it's about peace because it is about what God has actually given. And you are able to see it and know it and thank God for it. You ever done something for somebody and they didn't thank you? Well, good news is God doesn't get his feelings hurt like like we do. But man, there's there's just this rightful place for worship of the God who is and, and giving thanks for all he has done. And thanksgiving is about hope. Because when you speak those words of real gratitude and real thanks, you are not only saying that God has given and you thank him, you are saying, and I know he will continue to give all that's needed. He's been this way in the past, and I know he will be that way in the future. Now, I will tell you, I am personally convicted on several levels by Romans 1. I don't know about you, but kind of in, in thinking this through this week, I am I'm convicted. Um, I think you and I. If you've put your trust in what Christ has done and you've received that full payment, removing the sin problem between us and the Holy God, bringing us into a relationship with God, if that's where you are, and like God is God and Savior to you, I I think you and I need to consider, or maybe I should say reconsider, how we also just go after what we want, irrespective of God. It's just true. I think Romans 1 is kind of screaming at us in a very merciful way to reconsider that. And I think that Romans 1 is calling me and you to repent, turn away from and to God, to repent of the sense of independence that we operate in sometimes before the face of God. I think Americans in general struggle with that. I know I do. And I, think, and, I, and I think we need to consider certain areas of our life that need to be brought again under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I, and I think that we are very compartmental. And I think there's something of God's mercy in saying, hey, God's over all. All of you. All of you. Our text teaches us that thanksgiving to God is, as they used to say in the 60s, radically countercultural. How do I know that? Well, it's what the text says that this is the way kind of the humanity goes. They neither honored God nor thanked him and they still don't but we can that's countercultural we can and we will question mark so let your thanksgiving be an acknowledgment of the God Who is. Let your thanksgiving be an acknowledgement of God's goodness to you. You didn't do it. God did. You received. Because he's merciful and good and gracious and generous. All these things. And you are simply responding. You and I are simply responding uh, with thanksgiving. But also... Let your thanksgiving be spoken as a protest. We're going to just be all 60s here this morning. Let it be spoken as a protest against all the messages of self in the center of life. Okay, last week I gave, I'm giving you thanksgiving giving thanks homework every week in this series okay last week and i and i asked you i wanted to hear from you and many of you have contacted me to say that when you're praying about difficult things in your life and you flip it to thank god about what he has given in your life that that will make a difference several of you said you don't know how much that made a difference because i don't just get stuck in the in, in the things that I deem hard or bad, I get carried away in, in what God has done in his goodness. So good job on the homework week one. Alright, homework week two, that means this week. Alright, I'm ramping it up. It's gonna be a little more uncomfortable, okay? We can be a giant support group for you. Homework this week is repent of your self-focus, reassert your appreciation. For God is sovereign rather than you is sovereign and for the grace of God that has brought you into relationship with him and the goodness of God. Thank God for all that he has given you. Worship him privately more consistently this week. That's a good one, right? Remember, they did not worship or thank him. How about let's do this. Let's worship God more consistently this week. Let's worship God every day. And here's this Thanksgiving homework. Give thanks to God out loud to somebody this week. Lodge a protest. Say it. Say it out loud that God is God and God is good and I'm acknowledging that He's been good to me. And I want Him to be the leader of my life. Not just gratitude in your heart. I'm talking about out loud. And what you're going to find is Thanksgiving lifts us because it's God-centered. And what you're going to find is is whoever you talk to, depending on where they're coming from, if they know the Lord, they may just get lifted too by your giving thanks. Now, let me finish. I think that it is great that this table is set up on the Sunday that we're looking at Romans one twenty one. Remember, the reason all that happens in Romans 1 is they neither worshipped God nor gave thanks to Him. The word for giving thanks there in the Greek is the word eucharisteo. Eucharist. AO. <laughs> okay, for those of you who don't hadn't been around Anglicanism, Eucharist is another word for communion. It means the supper of giving thanks for grace. And Jesus, in setting apart the supper, said, and he gave thanks. And he gave thanks. And he gave this supper of grace to us. So, not Eucharist. Written over the world. Kind of written over God's church sometimes. Kind of written over us sometimes. Not Eucharist. Eucharist. So, let us speak thanksgiving, be countercultural. Let us hold thanksgiving. Let us take, taste, and eat and drink thanksgiving that being with Him we might live thanksgiving this week. Let's pray as we move toward Eucharist. Lord, as we read Romans 1, it would be so easy for us to say, yeah, that's those people. Forgive us for so easily going there because in our hearts there is a tendency toward independency. And in our hearts, there is a neglect of Eucharist, of thanksgiving. Thank you for what you have done, God, being the great creator God, a completely holy God that we could never reach on our own. Thank you that you, through Jesus, have come to earth You have lived in our place. You have died on a cross in our place. All the punishment for our sins has been carried out and there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we would say praise the Lord and we would say thank you, Lord. Could you say that out loud with me? Thank you, Lord. Let's say it together with our eyes closed. Thank you. Lord. Let's do that again. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we also thank you that you knew we needed this table. You knew we tended to forget, so you gave us a table specifically aimed at our remembering. You knew that we wander from you and trust ourselves more than we should, so you gave us this table of real Presence, real spiritual presence. And Lord, we claim it as a table of grace and we claim it as a table of thanks from us to you. And we pray that as we meet with you while remembering your grace, that you would work worship and thanksgiving into our hearts. And we pray these things.